become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I am Maria Retan, and it's great to be with you today. I'm so glad you can make some time to join me here on Purse Strings. You can check us out every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern. And each and every week, the mission is for you and your company to learn how to corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending in the world, the woman. Well, first up, we're going to be throwing out today some some general demographics that may be confusing. We're talking about Gen, Gen We. Millennials, Gen Y, you may be asking, what? Who are these people? Who are these groups? I don't have any idea. It's all confusing. Well, guess what? You're not the only one. If you don't speak demo code, here's the shorthand. The terms Millennials, Gen Y, and Gen We have all become very, very jumbled, and they overlap quite a bit. And I think it really comes down on who you ask. Um, Depending on the expert, there's going to be different age groupings for each of those. Traditionally, Millennials are also referred to as Gen Y, Echo Boomers, or Generation We, and their age is between 15 to 28. Now, um, our expert today is going to have more details on exactly how she sees these groupings, so stick around for that. But first, I want to talk about Millennials, or whatever your terminology is for Millennials. They're really the most diverse generation in history, um, making up like one in every three Caucasian people. Um, They're very tolerant of diversity around them. They're not left to make key decisions on their own. And in fact, their parents are incredibly active and hands-on. Those of you listening today, you've probably heard the term helicopter parents. Well, they they come into play quite often with millennials. In fact, the parents of millennials view the child as the center of the family. No wonder they're so self-focused. In fact, according to uh, Pew Research Group, 73% of millennials polled see their parents at least once a week. 50% of them see them daily, which means, of course, that they're probably living in the same city. I don't know about you, but I couldn't wait to get out and live away from my family. I, in fact, moved an hour and a half away from my first job, and after that, it was three hours away, and after that, it was days away. It took me days to get back, and now I have to actually fly to see any family. I don't know what's going on with these millennials, but they can't see their parents enough. And in fact, 64% of them turn to the family first for advice and support in times of struggle. Those of you may actually have college or post-college grads living with you this very moment, and you're wondering, how the heck did this happen? Well, that's the millennials for you. Um, 16 million families had at least one child, 18 years and older, living at home in 2003. 57% are moving home after college graduation. This group is called the collective we, a term dubbed by the Pew Research Center, 
because they're very trusting and willing to unite perspectives to form change. Again, remember diversity and that value for diversity. Technology is what's really the glue that holds it all together. Um, and in fact, this election is going to be huge with this group. Um, lots of people planning to um, vote, as you can imagine, in this group uh, will not be denied as well. Um, our first profile today is kind of the same grouping. It's I call it the Dunian Burke babes. They're the single women in their late twenties, uh, late teens, and early twenties. They're trendsetters. They're fashion aware. There's nearly 1.5 million of these women out there. Median age is 21. They're attending college or just very soon to graduate, if not already just recently graduated. Um, they may own a condo or rent an apartment. Um, their attitudes, of course, they're keeping up with fashion. They think that they're very fashion forward. They want to influence the trends. They like to make a statement. They want to stand out in the crowd. And they'll buy on impulse. Uh, they spend more than they can afford on clothes. They spend a lot on cosmetics. They buy clothes they don't even really need, and they just are not good at saving money. Now, the economy today may be forcing these women to be hoarding a little bit of their money away, but they're still planning to spend quite a bit of it. They spend it on their friends. Their friends are really important, just right up there with family. They consider themselves ambitious and money-driven. They are looking for risk and adventure, and they are looking for brand names. They always look for their favorite brands first. And they don't buy unknown brands to save money. They'd rather just save for the rainy day and buy those clothes that have the brand name on them. In fact, they're shopping at places like Nordstrom's, Banana, Victoria's Secret, Calvin Klein, American Eagle, Wet Seal. They're uh, driving Mercury, Lexuses, Acuras, and Jeeps. Um, when it comes to cosmetics, Dove, Wet and Wild, Neutrogena, All May are all top picks with this group, and their designers are Gucci, Kenneth Cole, Prada, Guess, Calvin Klein. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I wasn't shopping at these places. I was shopping at the Five and Dime. But I guess maybe it's because their parents are helping to support their habits. I don't know. Top media choices, if you're trying to connect with this woman or this young girl or this older girl, if you will, you can catch them at Elle, Insight, Star, Glamour, Cosmo, U.S. Weekly, Vogue. They're watching cable outlets like VH1, MTV, Comedy Central, TBS, and Showtime. And websites, they're spending a ton of time online, as you would expect. They're at Facebook, MySpace, Ticketmaster, Sprint, T-Mobile, Barnes & Noble, Blockbuster, and Movie Phone. Well, I kind of alluded to my expert today. Joining me is a fabulous guest who can tell us all about this and the newest trends. Her name is Nancy Robinson, Vice President, Consumer Strategist for Iconoculture, specializing in millennials, Gen We, and moms. And those of you who haven't heard of Iconoculture, Iconoculture is a trend-watching organization, and boy, they got a new trend that they are watching, and you're going to learn about it today. It's called the Twisted Traditionalists. Twisted. Yep, twisted. Now, you may have your own take on what that means, but Nancy's going to give us the real deal on Twisted Traditionalist when Purse Strings returns in just a few minutes. Hey, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. 
Geez, another year with no refund from the IRS. I got a nice chunk of change this year. I'm buying a new car and I'm going to Fiji. How in the world did you do that? I got in on TaxBrain.com's affiliate program. And it's easy to make big money during tax season just by bringing them other people paying their taxes. TaxBrain.com? How does that work? With TaxBrain.com's affiliate program, I command a huge payday with their nitro payouts because I get paid for leads as well as sales. That sounds easy. How do you do it? They give me all the tools it takes, like dedicated publisher support, analytics capabilities, custom tracking and creative services, and so much more that I need to make money the easy way. Wow. With 140 million households paying taxes every year, I bet there's no shortage of business all season long. Now you got the idea. Make money off the tax man. How do I find out more? Visit TaxBrain.com forward slash affiliates to find out more. TaxBrain.com, America's online tax service. With our lean and mean team, how can we manage our publishing needs and still have time to save the planet? No worries, 99. DMX is the premier ad exchange network. They publish ads that circle the globe every day. It's a mission possible. But you know our inventory needs maximum exposure. Would you believe DMX had 10 billion impressions just last month? Their real-time auction-based service gets us the top dollar for our ad space, while their superior service saves us the time we need to save the world. Oh, sorry about that, Chief. But we need creative control and our own third-party networks. And who will help manage our relationships? DMX has MediaGuard. We can select our own advertising banning profile, so direct media exchange networks know which ad types we don't like. And we look great. And did I mention DMX is free? Looks like working undercover is a thing of the past. Get smart. Get DMX. Making every impression count. Market Edge with Larry Weber. Talking about the future of marketing and media with Rashad Tabakawala. Why do you think Google has just dominated so much and they're going to continue to dominate the search business? They have basically optimized giving people audiences, which is when you buy search, you buy an audience, you don't underwrite content. But they're in the content business and the fact that they monetize content. Market Edge with Larry Weber, Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and on demand after the show inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Get out your spray paint and put your graffiti on our wall. Get all the details on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And welcome back. Joining me today is Nancy Robinson, Vice President, Consumer Strategist for Iconoculture, specializing in millennials, Gen Wee, and moms. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Maria. Great to be here. I'm so happy to have you figure out this muddle for us. At the top of the show, I don't know if you were listening in, but I think I there's was. so much confusion over millennials and Gen Wee and who are they and what are the age groups. Can you shed, before we get into Twisted Traditionalists, because I really want to talk about them, can you shed a little light on how Iconoculture defines these groups? Certainly. With millennials, basically we're looking at uh, the groups that are age 31 and younger in 2008. Now, because that's such a large generation, bigger than boomers, actually, we also break out the younger end of them as Generation We, W-E, and that would be uh, birth to age 13 in 2008. Okay. And then, uh, so, and would you say that that's a fairy, fairly 
general and accepted terminology. I mean, think you think that most um, agencies and organizations that really monitor these are in agreement on that? Pretty much. There's a, uh, for the most part, there's you generally hear millennials either spoken of as as millennials or as Generation Ys. Uh, Generation Y is mostly a, a primarily a marketing term, but and uh, millennials is primarily a demogra- uh, dem- demographic term. So, other than the words, for the most part, it's pretty much the same. Definitely understood uh, in terms of the generation as being separate from Gen X, separate from Boomers, um, but also in terms of their approach to a variety of things. So, there might be. Uh, the overlap might be a two or three year overlap. So s- some groups might look at millennials as starting a little bit younger um, or um, or going a little bit older. But we're iconoculture square in the middle. Got it. Well, thank you for clearing that up because now we can jump right into Twisted Traditionalist. I just love the title, Twisted Traditionalist. Can you explain who this group is? Sure. Pretty much we're talking about uh, millennials and younger Gen Xers. Uh, they're uh, in, in, in process of putting together their family, thinking about things in, a, in almost an, not a nester way, but maybe an early nester way, um, where you've got millennials who are, are decorating their dorm rooms as though they were the first apartment. Uh, and as well as in terms of thinking about family, early indications are this is a group that's interested in having children younger and more often. So uh, we're looking at, a, at the beginnings of a boom. Now, when it comes to the tris- twisted traditionalist, and another way of looking at them might be um, to call them neoconventionals, um, it's a group that's looking to build their family life and their life around stability, security, but also still embracing achievement and status. Uh, so essentially what they're looking at is, yes, they're interested in embracing the traditions that they grew up with. And as you mentioned earlier, millennials love their parents. So completely fine with that, those kinds of family traditions. But by adding a twist, uh, a postmodern inclusive twist, if you will, makes perfect sense, of course, because this is the mashup generation. So essentially what it comes down to is they're, they're interested in doing um, what's right um, and rules matter, but it's not rules as confining, it's rules as personalizing. Mm-hmm. So when they look at rules, if you will, it's how does it apply to me? And if it doesn't apply to them, they're just going to cast it aside. Is that kind of the general idea? It's not so much that they will get rid of the rule, they will make it work for them. Really what we're talking about here is is a kind of a, a look at the new propriety, almost as in um, this is the way we should be behaving with each other. And just because we're different, there's no reason to be rude. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, they, they are looking to work well with others or play in the sandbox well with others. And is that because they feel like the world is really their oyster and it's really the world? It's not their town, their small community. They're really looking at the world as open to them. Absolutely. And part of that is that that's, in a way, how they've been raised. If you look at the difference, say, between older Xers and, and millennials in terms of uh, um, some of their childhood experiences, for Xers, who really uh, come at, I think, generationally are a more defensive generation, um, it's no wonder, right? For them, divorce was a disruption. Daycare was something that... Um, that happened and that no one was particularly proud of, latchkey children, etc. So they really have this idea of, you know, they have to do it for themselves. Um, so their defensiveness really has um, some grounding. For millennials, however, by that time, society had really 
kind of changed a bit and become a little bit more accepting about a number of these things. So daycare isn't something that is, is uh, people are ashamed of. Whether or not you need daycare, you just give it different names, you know, early childhood education, etc. But it's really looked at as something that um, is great for creativity, for socialization, for you know, basic, um, basic early socialization skills that will get children ready for their, for their later on lives. Divorce, while it's still not a pleasant experience, has become less of a um, of a no-no and more of something that can be prepared for. So it's not so much about the parents get divorced and the children are on their own. It's more about looking at how divorce affects a family in, uh, as a whole. So even public schools will have excuse me divorce um, divorce groups for kids who are who are going through the same thing so that they can talk to each other about what's happening so it's our approach towards a lot of these things have still managed to keep the children in the center no surprise then when millennials grow up that they're interested in being in the center as well of course and at while their world is as big as always they want to be in the center of it and the impact on this group, as we already talked about, has really been the family, but it's also their, their peer group, isn't it? Well, their peer group is part of their family. What's interesting is that when you looked at um, Xers, Xers would, uh, particularly in, in their 20s, Xers would always point out to friends as being more important than family. Now with millennials, you have friends and family basically being on a level playing field. So it's the kind of changing definitions of family in some sense, but it's also an, it's a family that's more inclusive. It really has more to do with about one's, the feeling of connection, and that connection being um, uh, uh, brought home, if you will, too, by your, your home family as well as your friend family. Let's talk a little bit about gender roles, because, um, you know, it, it seems that they're, everyone's committed to family. You just talked about how they want to have children younger and more often, but it, it appears to me that the man's role in this scenario has changed a little bit. Can you talk about about that? Sure. That, in fact, I think that role is, is changing a lot, um, certainly from boomers to Xers and now from Xers to millennials. And um, tip of the hat here to, X, to, to Xer dads, um, they've really kind of started the ball rolling, um, almost being more of a self-conscious dad, if you will, in that they are actively trying to change the role of dads. So you can call them gear daddies or you can call them denim dads. But really it it's, uh, just underscores the fact that dads are increasingly more on board, uh, much more hands-on, and they're committed to being hands-on. For them, this isn't about just changing diapers, but it's also about changing expectations, changing the expectations of their own parents, for example, as well as their peers. Now, with, when you move down to the millennial dad, which are the millennials, of course, are just really entering the, dad, the mom and dad space. But when you worked, move down to the millennials, they're already taking this as, an, as, a, as something that um, is just an expectation. So it's less about the, con- the conscious dad and more about the um, more about the partner, the expected partnership. So it's not about being involved. Dads are no longer a perk, but a given. It's something that their partner expects in terms of their, um, the millennial woman, the mom, and it's something that the dads expect themselves. Their approach is much more cooperative um, in terms of family life than previous generations, and that direct participation of dad is, is at the heart of what's changed. And that's really impacting the woman then, in turn, because uh, when, I, when I hear you talk about this, I keep thinking, well, we've always been striving as women to have it all, or whatever have it all means. And I would think that for this woman that we're talking about, this twisted traditionalist, that having it all perhaps means something different to them. 
And or does it mean, you know, I can have it all, but maybe not all at the same time, or I'm fine with not having it all? Can you can you kind of cut through that clutter and describe kind of what her thought process is and what her goals and aspirations are? Sure. The big difference here is that the idea of having it all, um, which for, for boomers and older Xers really meant that you had to give something up to have it all, right? Or, or it was entirely on your shoulders. And if you didn't have it all, it was your fault. It had nothing to do with your partner, had nothing to do with your family, had nothing to do with your workspace, etc. With millennials, and particularly the younger end here of this, the twisted traditionalists, it's important to remember that 75% of millennials have working moms, right? So they're completely comfortable with this. They've grown up with this. This isn't something that is unusual to them. It's something that's part of their life. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're working only outside of the home as well as inside of the home, but also in part-time working, entrepreneurial, etc. So they have a much more open attitude towards the place of work in family life. Um, it's also important to note that there are more women now completing college degrees than men. So again, there, this, this is not a uh, this is not a group of women who are giving anything up. They just are wanting to be more comfortable with what they're, what's there. So it's the twist about the ne- about these neo conventionals is that they're not don't seem to see the need to give anything up. In, in a sense, this really is a kind of mashup, um, which is kind of putting it um, where they understand the lessons that boomers and older Xers have been teaching them, which is that they are indeed free to be you and me. So it's not about a backlash backlash politically um, or even a push to the right, but it's more of an embrace um, of the idea that tradition is is something that actually is changeable. It's not written in stone. It's it's something that's personalized, just like everything else in the world is personalized. So are they pushing back with the idea of marriage? No, they're looking at marriage in a different way. Are they leaving the idea of motherhood? No, they're embracing motherhood. In fact, their the indications are, again, early, um, earlier involvement. They're more involved in terms of, of nesting, in terms of purchasing uh, actually purchasing homes and apartments. I mean, they're they're at the forefront of this, particularly the mid twenty age. So they're they're not um, they're very they're not leaving the idea of women can do behind. Um, in fact, they just seem, but they don't necessarily see it as just something that women can do. I think that's the biggest difference. How do you communicate? with this woman today? Obviously, technology is very, very important to her, but how do you communicate? Well, te- technology is the basis of, uh, of all of this, for, particularly for the young Xer and the millennial. It's, it's impossible to, to separate technology from communication. That said, there is an increasing move um, towards the idea of there being less difference between, say, online communication and offline communication. So one way to think about it is that um, being connected is feeling connected. And so it's the emotional connection that becomes more and more important. Ultimately, you can be real or you can be real clever because either way, messages that are rooted but not ground down in reality, in real, in real woman experience, in real mom experience, in real girlfriend experience, that just makes good sense to these twisted traditionalists, right, who really are about kind of curating the sense and ses- sensibility of their lives. So they really also, want to see their values kind of echoed by their companies and products, correct? But they're still absolutely. They look at they look at products and and services as part of a partnership. This is an implied contract, as far as these young women are concerned. And so, um, the idea that you get me is is paramount. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're, we're almost out of time. I can't believe it. But when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about this really large group because we've already talked about how big they are, but particularly the twisted traditionalist and what the impact will be on future generations. So stick around. More purse strings and more Nancy when we get back. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Need help improving your PPC campaigns? Tired of spending all your time swamped with spreadsheets and manual updates? Turn to Adapt SEM software to optimize your campaigns and to reach your goals. Adapt SEM is one of the most affordable and reliable tools on the market for improving PPC campaigns. Adapt SEM not only optimizes your bids, but also gives you keyword suggestions, competitive research, and helps to test ads all in one place at flat rate pricing and no long-term commitments. Learn how Adapt SEM can help manage your PPC campaigns better. Check out our free webinar at adapt.com slash webmaster radio. Sign up now for a free personal tour. Adapt.com slash webmaster radio. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic with over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield. Their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Welcome to Webcology. Our guest was recently the head evangelist for Ask.com, Gary Price. I don't know if we're going to be able to get him to talk about Ask.com, although I certainly hope he can say a little bit. The last time I had the pleasure of seeing you was in Santa Clara at SNX West. Oh, that's right, back um, in the Ask.com days. What yeah, a nice segue. A- that's a brilliant segue. <laughs> I worked on that the entire break. <laughs> Live broadcast Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. We're on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of surf, SEO rock stars, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I'm joined today by Nancy Robinson, Vice President, Consumer Strategist for Iconoculture, and she specializes in millennials, Gen Z, and moms. And uh, today we've been talking about Twisted Traditionalists, and that's the group that's kind of right in the heart of the younger um, younger Gen Xers and maybe the 30 or so age of Gen, uh, Gen Y. Um, and we've been talking a little bit about values of this group and how products that 
can really tie in with those values and be authentic is what's resonating. But Nancy, I'm, I'm curious, have you noticed a trend in product choices with this group? I mean, granted, they're looking for products that echo their values, but have you been seeing some products that have been popping for them? Well, in terms of products, they're definitely looking for something that reflects their values, but they're also looking for that core aspect of authenticity and products that reflect how they live, which is part of why the Dove campaign still has a lot of resonance for this group. Um, it's part of why um, the uh, Johnson & Johnson's uh, partnership, I think, with um, TLC is interesting as well, where the, the catch line is life surprises, but the, the interstitials are done by, um, by young moms who are just talking about the idea of surprise, which works really well for this group. I mean, they're not opposed. Uh, just because they're interested in tradition doesn't mean that they are constricted by tradition, right? So the idea of being prepared for surprise is, is a wonderful thing. Um, so the, I would also say the other thing to keep in mind with those traditional, with the twisted traditionalists, is the the very simple bumper sticker mentality of mean people and mean companies suck. They are truly looking behind the curtain to see what is the corporate culture around these products and services. And for twisted traditionalists, it's really just polite. Isn't that nice? Just polite. I love that. It's nice to see some um, some real kind of values come back into the norm. I think there was a, a while there where that was kind of in a lull. And uh, it's nice to see the Twisted Traditionalists bring that back. I'm, I'm curious with this large group. They're bound to have an impact on future generations. What, what do you think their legacy is going to be? Well, at the very least, they're going to have an impact because of we're at the beginnings of a baby boom, right? But unlike other baby booms, this one isn't um, war-related or economy-related, and these consumers are already empowered, right? So there isn't an empowerment aspect of around, around it uh, uh, either. I will say the big thing, it seems to me, for Twisted Traditionalists is, again, the uh, kind of look at and reexamination of the family, where it's uh, less necessary. It's less about just mom and more about mom and dad, number one. But the other is that it's less about family values in a kind of um, political sense and more about valuing family, which means that everything that comes into the home for this group has to be um, has to sink in with the idea of how their family works in terms of a kind of a holistic approach, right? So whether it's floor care to a car, it's how does the family interact with it. That said, because we're looking more, they'll be looking more in terms of the idea of family, you can kind of say goodbye to the concepts of like pester power and again look at more along the lines of, of, of discussion and discovery where because the entire family is uh, technologically adept and not just mom or dad, information doesn't just have to go from top down but also bottom up. Really, really important because we also know the power that youngsters wield on their parents and I'm sure that will only continue to grow. I'm I'm curious about the future for this segment. Um, you know, we've heard back and forth that there's been concerns that the generations that ha- that are following may not be as quote unquote successful as say the boomer and the older Gen Xers. What do you think the future holds for twisted traditionalists? I think we need to uh, redefine what the idea of success is. Um, because I think that's one of the things that twisted traditionalists are doing. It's not necessarily about the corner office. It's not necessarily about the title. It is really a, a group that's looking to balance the idea of what's important to them personally as well as what's important to them professionally. And as the future continues in terms of the changing workplace, where there's more flex, um, more um, 
more working, uh, more telecommuting, etc. The concept, the idea of of success also changes, just as the idea of the workday changes. You might be putting in 16 hours a day on a project, but you're picking those 16 hours. I love that idea, don't you? I'd like to choose my 16 hours. And can I spread it across three days and not do it in one day? <laughs> I think so. I think that would be great. I love that legacy. I would thank the Twisted Traditionalists if they could make that happen. Nancy, we're going to have to wrap it up, but I thank you so very much for joining me today and and helping to make sense out of what I think is a a complex and yet rather simple group of people, don't you think? I agree. At heart, they're back to basics, but they're back to basics in a way that makes sense for the life they live now. Absolutely. Well, to learn more about Iconic Culture, and you're definitely going to want to do that, check out the website at iconiculture.com, or you can even email them directly at insight at iconiculture.com. You can sign up to get a free e-newsletter packed with trend insight information just like Nancy has shared with me today. So before we go, besides Nancy, I want to say thanks to George, my producer, for another great show. And next week, join me for another edition of Purse Strings right here at 3 o'clock. I'm going to be speaking with Holly Buchanan, co-author of The Soccer Mom Myth. We've all heard about soccer moms. Well, guess what? They don't exist. It's an in-depth look at today's female consumer, who she really is, and why is she buying? In fact, it's all the answers you would ever want to know. So check out next week on Purse Strings. Thanks for joining me today. Make it a good one.